the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, where we discuss all things crypto-related. Your host, Kieran Ryan. A little while back, we heard a bold suggestion from Carl de Yacher of the CSIR about why Eskom should go into Bitcoin mining. The reason he gave was that it would stabilize the grid and generate revenue during off-peak hours. Well, today we're going to hear about gridless mining in rural Africa and how Bitcoin mining is helping these microgrids become financially viable. Gridless mining was born in Kenya with the initial aim of bringing affordable energy to rural communities through microgrids, usually in remote parts of the country. It now has operations in Kenya and Malawi and is looking to expand elsewhere in Africa. The company partners up with independent power producers who may have trouble selling power during low peak hours. And much of this power is hydroelectric, which ticks all the green energy boxes. It's also bringing a source of income to communities that are excluded, for the most part, from the mainstream economy. It's a fascinating concept, and I'm delighted to welcome one of the co-founders of Gridless Mining, Eric Hertzman, to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast. Hi, Eric. It's good to have you on. We haven't spoken before, although you and I have chatted uh, before we came online today. Maybe just kick off by explaining to our listeners how you came up with Gridless Mining and when did it start? Hi, Karen. Yeah, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here. So, uh, yeah, so the, the ideas behind Gridless really came about because we were looking at ways that uh, rural communities get energy, and we were trying to find ways to make that more financially sustainable. And um, it turns out that if you put, well, it turns out if you're running a small power station in rural Africa, it's very hard to be profitable. It's hard, it's very hard to be break even. And the reason why is because there's not a good anchor tenant. There's not somebody who can come and be your main buyer uh, for that energy. And so you're relying on a community of people and some small businesses, maybe a posho maize mill uh, or a you know cell phone tower or something like that to be your, your businesses who use it. But it's not enough to actually make it a sustainable business. And so, you know, the, the, the only thing we could think of that would work, and it was something we were interested in as well, just as a technology, uh, as well as a money uh, and a business, was Bitcoin mining. Because uh, Bitcoin mining can be uh, geographically agnostic, can be anywhere. And so we were looking at how that could kind of play a role in this world where, you know, you have a lot of stranded energy that gets wasted. And most people don't know this about energy, but you know, energy is one of those things that it, it's in little silos. It doesn't transport well, it doesn't store well, and it has to be consumed immediately. And so if you can bring a business to that location that can do that, then you've actually solved a really big problem for the uh, energy producer. And downstream of them to the consumers and the other businesses, you've actually solved a problem as well because it actually helps the grid become more stable and and it can doesn't always, but it can reduce the price of that connectivity that uh, for everybody else there. Right. So if you're coming in as the anchor, call it the anchor tenant or the anchor consumer of power for for these independent power producers, are you reliant on negotiating a fairly good power or electricity price with them? Sure, I know that they're probably not able to sell this power, so they must be fairly willing to negotiate a good deal with you. Yeah, well, we come into it and, and we have to do a number of things. One is educate our potential partners on what it is we do. Uh, we bring these 
So Bitcoin miners, just so everybody knows, they're little computers. And uh, the, they're about the size of a shoebox, maybe two shoeboxes stacked on top of each other. And we put them either on shelves, uh, for just doing maybe 20 of them, or we put them in a 20-foot container or a 40-foot container if there's going to be a couple hundred of them. And um, what we're doing is we're really setting up a small data center. And that small data center just soaks up uh, electricity. And so we have to explain what that is and why it's actually a viable business to that partner as well. So we ex we start explaining what the Bitcoin network is and how it's made up of this, you know, thousands or, or millions of computers all over the world that, you know, secure the Bitcoin network, but also where new Bitcoin is created and where it comes into the world. And and that that is that we get paid every 10 minutes. Uh, every 10 minutes, a new block is created approximately. And um, and that's what gives us some surety and some security in the in the revenue generation of the business. Once we've explained what that is and how it works, we then talk to them about their their wasted energy and how much money they're making with that, which is nothing. And, um, and we talk about how we can set up a deal that works for both of us. And generally, that what that looks like is a revenue share. It makes a lot of sense for them and a lot of sense for us to be in a revenue share model with each other. Because that allows us to have our incentives more aligned, and um, and everybody wins. And typically, what kind of revenue share would the power producer take from that percentage-wise? Well, it's going to be somewhere between twenty-five and thirty-five percent. We handle all the capex. Uh, they have to just provide us a three-phase power connection, and uh, we provide all the capex and operations, maintenance, and management for that site. Right. I mean, I was just watching a video of a guy who was doing Bitcoin mining in Texas. And of course, the power price is the key cost that you have in that business. And he was just giving some cost comparisons across the United States. And I think it was anywhere between six and nine US cents per kilowatt hour is what he would be paying or you know, buying from the grid actually in, in Texas. Does that work out pretty much in terms of your revenue share model to what he would be paying in Texas? Not really. It kind of depends on the price of Bitcoin, the difficulty adjustment of the Bitcoin network, things like that. They will vary month to month. But the um, and it also has there is some dependency around uh, you know what it costs our independent power producers to produce their electricity. That we don't control that, but that's that's on them. Um, but no, you know, it's not it's not equivalent at all. The reason why is it depends on on the the price of Bitcoin, and so. What we're paying them today at the the price today is around thirty thousand U.S. dollars per Bitcoin is very different than it will be in six months, and it was very different than it was six months ago when it was at fifteen thousand U.S. dollars per Bitcoin. So um, there's some variability in there that you have to deal with, and um, and again, this is where the the revenue share works out for both parties is that they also, while we both share the downside, we also both share ups. So as that pricing adjustment comes in. They, they also make more money. Our first mining operations were set up in Kenya, and then Malawi was in January. And then uh, we actually have a, a new site going live in Southern Africa uh, in the next couple of weeks, uh, which we're excited about, so a new country. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's been quite fascinating to see it work in, you know, in these different environments. We're all in, we're all in hydroelectric right now. Uh, there are some new sites coming online in the next few months that will be a different type of energy. Um, we're looking at some biomass and uh, and also some geothermal. We're looking at different things that are very interesting to us, but they're not live yet. 
operationally, what we're doing is, you know, when you set up a Bitcoin mine, you need to make sure you do a couple things. Uh, one is you have to have a very kind of um, good operation on the ground so that it makes makes sure it works all the time. That that you know the computers are secure, things like that. It's also a good you know. You have to have a good relationship with your power producer because, you know, they're on the ground, they're dealing with things day to day as well. But what you're also doing is you're managing these things remotely. So we have eyes on at every single one of our machines when we get warnings and whenever there's a problem on any one of the machines. But we've also written some special software that allows us to to manage both the the incoming supply of energy as well as the downstream demand of energy. So we can turn on or turn off machines uh, within milliseconds uh, or seconds when uh, when it's needed. So that that's also where it's very important for the both the community that's being served by the power producer as well as the power producer themselves because uh, then we become a real-time load balancer. Uh, basically, it's called we have an automated real-time demand system and that allows for us to be very responsive and uh, allows for them to be able to change the amount of because the, the supply of water might change throughout the day, as well as the demand from users on the, on the grid. And so by us being very, very responsive to that, it helps them uh, be stable. And it helps to make sure that everybody is making money with the full capacity of that energy production uh, on any given day. Right. You said your operations are mainly hydropower. I can understand that because that is something that would be going 24-7. In South Africa, of course, there's a lot of solar installations going up, but they would only be available probably, you know, between six and eight hours a day. And if you've got battery storage, maybe another four hours on top of that. Otherwise, you'd have to draw from the grid. And, of course, there are Bitcoin mining rigs that are doing exactly that in South Africa. We're not too blessed in terms of hydropower. What would your suggestion be to people, you know, who've got these these solar installations that they've installed and they don't really use a lot of power maybe in the middle of the day could they turn that to bitcoin mining uh, yeah they absolutely could it's not going to have the same return on investment as uh, hydroelectricity or geothermal or something else that you can run 24 7 uh, but what it can do and it's, it kind of depends how you decide to set it up you, it can do is provide you some returns so the way we suggest doing something like that is finding low efficiency miners so something that you're not spending a bunch of money on. Uh, so you're not trying to recoup a bunch of money for your, you know, your capital expenditure for those miners. Instead, get something that's a little bit older, a little bit less efficient, and then they just turn on and turn off when there's when there's low demand on that on that power production. And um, and yeah, what it does is two things. One, it makes sure that you're actually using utilizing the full extent of your solar all the time. Uh, and number two. It's actually earning you another type of currency that's you know not devaluing uh, at the same rate as your as your local currency. So you know Bitcoin as a currency, different than Bitcoin as the network, which is our mining uh, computers all over the world. But Bitcoin as a currency is a really good sound money, both for saving and and for spending these days. And you know that gives you a, a, a really good upside too in that you can just hold that Bitcoin that you earn and wait for it to increase in value or just sit on it and wait for a rainy day when you might need it. So at the very least, you're not wasting your energy anymore and you're earning something from it. All right. Give us a sense of the technical challenges 
in establishing a Bitcoin mining operation in rural areas like you've done. And, you know, in places like Malawi, I'm sure they're different to the challenges would be different to Kenya or South Africa. Yeah, you know, um, those of us who've been bouncing around Africa for our whole lives, right? The What's interesting about Malawi is that it feels like it feels like Kenya maybe, you know, 20 years ago sometimes where it's you know, it's just not as strong of an infrastructure. It's harder to buy things. So when you're technically setting up a new site, you need to make sure you show up with all the right equipment. And um, that right equipment is everything from your cables and, and your connectivity for the internet, as well as the, um, the shelving sometimes and the venting to make sure that you get all the hot air. Uh, what's not at first well known about Bitcoin mining is that it's, it, you know, it's all, we do all of our cooling by air, which means um, that we have fans blowing. And so it can be quite loud. Now, at a hydro site, it doesn't matter because the turbine is louder than the fans. Um, at a solar site, you're going to have you're going to have some some sound, and you want to make sure that it doesn't um, you know cause problems with either yourself or your neighbors. The other thing you need to make sure you have is good ventilation because they the the computers run super super efficiently, which means they run super hot. Uh, they're running you know full bore twenty four hours seven seven days a week three hundred sixty five days a year. And they're putting off a large amount of heat, and so you want to you want to make sure that vented, and you have to have you know good venting in order to make that happen. If you put it in a closed room, they'll overheat. Yeah, it's it's very uh, doable by anybody to get set up. I would say it's it's fairly easy to get a few of them set up. It's harder once you start running them at scale, just because you're working with a different type of operation. But anybody who has you know twenty kilowatts of excess energy uh, that is going to waste already can buy five or six miners. They each take about three kilowatts of energy and you can put those to work and, um, and, and, and be the beneficiary of that Bitcoin. Now, the, the truth is you're, you're, you know, buying those miners, you know, you want to make sure you buy them from a, a legitimate seller. Um, most of them are manufactured in China and you want to make, you want to make sure you find a good seller that you can have them imported in with. They cost, you know, the low efficiency, older miners will cost you just a, you know, one or two hundred dollars. The the higher efficiency, most recent miners will cost you a couple thousand dollars. So, uh, you know, that prices can vary significantly. But with a little bit of research, you can get into it fairly easily. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll put my plug in here, which is I'd say that you want to have, uh, if you're going to just run a small, uh, a small site and you're doing it in Africa, we highly suggest using the the manufacturer micro bt they make welts miners is what they're called uh they're just much better for africa's you know more challenging environment with heat or dust or bugs things like that like we've had our <laughs> we've had our miners you know um do you guys have in south africa do you have, have it when the rains come the the flying ants come out yeah they do when after after rain sometimes you get the flying ants yeah yeah so we had the unfortunate uh, experience of the rains came and the fly ants came out, and then they were all sucked into our into the into the fans and just gummed up our miners. And um, these what's these micro BT what's miners kept running. They were you know the efficiency wasn't nearly what it was before, but they were they were still running. So we cleaned them out. You know, it took us like three days with toothbrushes to to clean out all those couple hundred miners, but we were able to get them cleaned up, and they just kept chugging the whole time. And so we really, we really think that they make the best uh, device for Africa right now. And, um, and so if you're going to get into it, I would suggest going off looking at the M30 range. 
uh, Watts Miners. Watts spelled W-A-T-T-S. No, W-H-A-T-S-M-I-N-E-R. Give us a bit of your background. You're actually born in East Africa. You don't sound it, but uh, so what is your background? (laughs) Yeah, I grew up in Sudan and Kenya and went to the U.S. for university, came back to Kenya to start building different tech companies. So I've been a part of the kind of the Kenyan tech ecosystem for a long time now. Uh, Software at first and then got into hardware, uh, building out and designing and building and then running it out as infrastructure, Uh, you know, pretty heavy duty, hardcore um, uh, routers and modems to build out, you know, one of the larger public Wi-Fi networks on the continent and um, across a couple of countries. So we have some experience and I have some experience in on the software, hardware, and infrastructure side, which I think gives us a little bit of a, a competitive advantage in in Gridlist because we're dealing with, you know, connectivity in rural areas. We're dealing with infrastructure in rural areas. We're dealing with hardware. All of these things that we've done before. So, when did Gridlist Mining start? We're just a year old, so it's a fairly good company. Um, we have, yeah, we started last year, and our it's been it's been moving very fast, though. You know, we have. Like I said, the two mine locations in, in Kenya and in Malawi, we have that third one coming online in two weeks. Um, and then we have another two sites that are going to be coming online in the next two months. So it's uh, it's moving very fast all this time. Wow. And, and how many nodes or, or computers in, in total do you have? Uh, we don't really broadcast that too much, but I'll say that we're running under, um, in, in Kenya, we're running about uh, half a megawatt right now. In Malawi, we're running about 200 kilowatts, and we'll have another, uh, let's call it three and a half megawatts online in the next two, two and a half months. Okay, and to what extent are the communities involved in these mining operations? Because it does sound like that you are trying to involve and develop and enrich the local communities. So just talk about that a minute. Everything we do really comes through the, uh, the vector of the power producer. So they're already on the ground building out their hydroelectric site or whatever type of energy they're building. And we come and work with them as their anchor tenant. And um, that means by being a large a large tenant for them, we, we do often sit down with the community as well. We get introduced by the power company to the community so they know who we are while we're driving around and doing things. And, um, and uh, you know, the, the relationship with them with the community is always through that lens. And uh, it's worked out very well, I think, for everybody. Our power producers like it because it gives them, uh, you know, another large, you know, business that they can work with and something that they can uh, come and introduce to the, you know, the elders and the chiefs and the, and the different villages. And then we sit down and we explain what we do and we explain how uh, the business we run uh, works. That's not always well understood. Uh, but we're very open. We show people how it works and what's going on. And then um, and then we were there uh, kind of in good times and bad. And, you know, when you're setting up a business in Africa, you have to you have to think long term about your relationships. It's very relational. Everything you do is. And so we, we try and make sure we have good conversations with people. They know who we are. We know who they are. So when problems happen on our side or their side, we can quickly um, get back into communication on that thing and solve it. And, you know, to give you an example of why that's important, um, you know, one time we had set up our 
sometimes you know, with hydroelectric, you're you're down in a valley somewhere, and it's very hard to get your connectivity. And so we had set up a relay station for our internet connectivity about 600 meters away on this, on this hill. Um, and somebody came through and, and uh, you know, a few weeks later, it cut down the, the power pole that this was on. So the whole community lost power. And then they we had a, a solar panel and a battery and uh, some routers up there. And they stole the battery. Um, you know, obviously we go down for a day or two um, and, you know, until we can get it back up and going. The community loses energy for a little while and everybody's upset. And, um, and you know, we could quickly get in the conversation with the chiefs and elders and say, hey, listen, um, you need to make sure this doesn't happen again, number one. And, you know, you're going to have to figure out who it is and deal with them as well. Um, but what that, what that does is it means that even in troubled times when you have issues, they, they know we're, we're going to stick around and we know that they're going to help solve problems. And uh, because they, they know there's a benefit for us being there, they see the difference in, in Malawi. What they saw was, you know, as soon as we came in, they, they had um, good energy for a couple hundred, or I guess it was a couple thousand, 1,200 families. But there's 800 families who still wanted to get connected to the power. But the power company wasn't uh, financially sustainable, so it couldn't and buy more power meters to connect them. So by us signing up and just coming online, they were immediately able to buy a couple hundred more uh, power meters and, you know, 200 more families got connected within, you know, 60 days. And um, so they're immediately seeing the benefits uh, for a company like ours coming in and being there with them. And um, once, you, once you start seeing those benefits and you start having those relationships with each other, it uh, makes it a lot easier to handle the, the things that happen that ultimately always will happen anywhere you go and, and try and build in this kind of environment. Talk about your plans for expansion and are you planning to come to South Africa at all? Well, we, we, we're pretty operational in East and Southern and I think we're going to probably maintain that footprint for a little while. We'll, we'll have three countries by, by next month and we'll have probably maybe up to five by the end of the year. Um, we like that idea of a three to five country footprint. South Africa um, is not really on our radar. Um, Southern Africa is, you know, your Zimb- Zimbabwe is and your Mozambiques and your Zambias. Um, but when we look at the continent, we see that there's a lot of, well, there might be a lot of opportunity in South Africa. Um, we just have not, we have not dug into who the independent power producers are, there are, um, if they're open to revenue sharing what kind of power they generate um, or what they use to generate their power, those kind of things. Um, I think South Africa might be really interesting, uh, but I know that there's also some South Africans who are doing Bitcoin mining and, you know, they probably have a little bit of an advantage on us when it comes to operating in their own country. Fascinating discussion. Eric Hersman, we're going to leave it there. And um, people, of course, can reach you on Twitter. Gridless Mining, I think, is your Twitter handle. Do you have a website as well? Yeah, it's just gridlesscompute.com and then at gridlesscompute on on Twitter. Gridlesscompute on Twitter. Eric Kersman, thanks so much for joining us. A great discussion. I'm sure that's going to give a lot of people ideas and a lot of people are going to be wondering, okay, how can I possibly turn my solar, my little solar generator on my roof into a, a Bitcoin mine? Um, and 
you might get quite a, a lot of inquiries for the next few weeks but uh, good luck on that and I'd love to catch up with you again in the future and see how it's going thank you very much for having me Karen and, and good luck to everybody who's getting started in this, in this field as well Thanks for listening to the MoneyWeb Crypto Podcast, hosted by Kieran Ryan. To listen to our other podcasts, go to moneyweb.co.za or the MoneyWeb app and follow MoneyWeb News for daily updates.